Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. Today is our last week in our relationship series, and through this series, we've been talking about friendships. We started off with talking about how to be single and mingle, how to do your thing right, how to, how to date. We've done friendships, and today I'm going to be talking to you about crocheted dolls and spades, crocheted dolls and spades. And I, I came across this story I want to share with you this morning. It says this, a man and a woman had been married for more than 60 years. They had shared everything. They had talked about everything. They had kept no secrets from each other, except that the little old woman had a shoebox in the top of her closet that she had cautioned her husband never to open or ask her about. For all these years, he had never thought about the box, but one day the little old woman got very sick and the doctor said she would not recover. And trying to sort out their affairs, the little old woman took down the shoebox and took it to his wife's bedside and she agreed that it was time that he should know what's in the box. And when he opened it, he found two crocheted dolls and a stack of money totaling $95,000. That had to be a big shoebox, right? And he asked her about the contents. When we were to be married, she said, my grandmother told me that the secret of a happy marriage was to never argue. She told me that if I ever got angry with you, I should just keep quiet and crochet a doll. The little old man was so moved, he had to fight back the tears. Only two precious dolls were in the box. She had only been angry with him two times in all their years of living and loving and he almost burst with happiness. Honey, he said, that explains the dolls, but what about all this money? Where did it come from? Oh, she said, that's the money I made from selling the dolls. Um, I think there's a lot of truth to that story. Some of you are like, never argue, never get angry in my marriage. Are you crazy? Um, and, and today I want to talk to you um, from a perspective of we're going to talk about marriage. And if you're not married in this place, listen to me. I promise this message has some major ap application for you today. There are going to be aspects of this marriage that I'm gonna just be talking to married people, but if you're single, if you're dating, if you're engaged, man, store this, bank this, put it in the vault and draw it out when you need it. But for the rest of you married people, man, I want you to lean in and understand my goal today for you as your pastor is that you wouldn't just survive your marriage. Like that's not a good goal, right? That you wouldn't just have an okay marriage but that you would have a great marriage and that you would thrive through your marriage. And here's what I know that I know that I know after being married for 25 years, great marriages don't just happen, they are fought for. You have to fight to have a great marriage. And some of us, we're great at fighting in it instead of for it. And so today my goal is, is that you would be willing to fight for your marriage. And I want to give you four things today. And some of you are like, four things? When are we getting out of here? Never. Um, but four things about four applications and principles so that you can have a great, great thriving marriage. The first one is this, is develop the habit of having consistent and courageous communication. Develop the habit of having consistent 
and courageous communication. Proverbs 13, 17 says this, an unreliable messenger stumbles into trouble, but a reliable messenger brings healing. Here's what this proverb is saying. When there is a breakdown in communication, when communication isn't reliable and consistent, there's trouble. But when communication is consistent and communication is reliable, then that relationship has a chance to be healthy and there can be healing in it. And there has to be consistent and courageous communication in your relationships. And this isn't just as far as marriage. This goes for your friendships. This goes for your workplace. This goes with your parents. This goes for a relationship with parents to kids. There has to be healthy communication and consistent communication for your relationships to be healthy. And notice I'm not saying talking. There's a major difference between talking and communicating. There's a, there's a big big difference. Some of us, we're great at talking, but our spouse doesn't get a breath in ever. And you're like, why don't you ever talk? Because you never shut up, right? Like there's a reason. And the Bible says this in James chapter one, verse 19, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Proverbs 18, verse two and 13 says, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. They don't want to listen. They just want to spout, right? Spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. And the question today for all of you that are married is, are you communicating on a consistent basis with your spouse? This means, yes, are you talking, but even more so than that, are you listening? Are you taking time to listen to them? And I'm not just talking about, oh, well, we talk all the time. Yeah, you talk about what are we having for dinner? You know, what are we doing today, right? But are you actually talking about life? Are you talking about what you're excited about? Are you talking about what you're frustrated about? Are you talking about what you're anxious about? Are you talking about your dreams that you have together? Because what I've noticed is that many times we start becoming disconnected because we start, we stop communicating with one another. And it's not that we're not talking about day-to-day things, but we stop talking about life and dreaming and the frustrations and the anxieties. And here's what I know. I have never seen a relationship go wrong because they got each other too well, right? Because they over There is no such thing as over-communication in your marriage, but I have seen marriages fall apart because under-communication was present and they, they weren't getting one another. They weren't understanding one another. There wasn't consistent communication that was happening. And when there is a breakdown in communication, there is a, let, a letdown in your relationship. It's just a matter of time. And here's why communication is such a big deal for you and for me. Here's why it's a big deal whether you've been married one year or you've been married 45 years because all of us have expectations. Every relationship we're in, we have expectations of that relationship. We have expectations when it comes to our life. And here's what I know. Uncommunicated expectations are unrealistic expectations. The communication, if you are not communicating your expectations, hear me, there's no way those expectations can ever be met by your spouse because they've become unrealistic because you're not communicating it. Proverbs 8.21 says the tongue can bring death or life. 
Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. You've got to communicate. And if you're going to keep communicating, hear me, many of us right now, we're frustrated in our relationship because our expectations, man, that we had isn't what we're experiencing in our relationship right now. There's some of you in your friendships, you have friendships and you were expecting your friend to do this or act this way or be this way. And they're not, and you're frustrated with them. And really a lot of your frustration is coming because you feel a certain way, but you're not communicating about that way. And it's not just about communicating to, it's about communicating through, right? Many of us, we can, can, can communicate to a problem, but are you willing to communicate through it? Um, about 10 years ago, I remember this so vividly. Um, my, my girls were small and it was a Saturday afternoon. I, I came in from outside and I sit down and I start munching on some Funyuns. And can I just say, Funyuns are maybe the most underrated chip that there is. Um, Funyuns are fantastic. Some of you are gonna go buy some right after church. Um, but I was sitting on the couch, I was watching OU football, I'm munching on some Funyuns and Casey starts cleaning around me. And um, like, I'm, I'm kind of like, she got in front of the TV and I'm kind of doing this and munching. You know what I'm talking, men, you know what I'm talking about. Like, you're just like, hey, can you move a little to the left? Um, and I go, hey, what's up? And she's like, man, I, I just got so much to do. I'm like, oh, like, what do you got to do? She goes, I, I've just got so much with the girls and the house and, and man, I'm just, Ah, oh, there's so much to do. And I, I, I remember I go, well, babe, I got, I got faith in you. I, you're gonna get it all done, right? And I just pop another Funyun in and I'm like, you got it, girl, you got it. Girl power, right? I just keep eating. And about 30 minutes later, Casey is huffing around and she is mad. And I'm like, yeah, you understand. I don't, I, don't, I did not read between the lines. And I'm like, hey, why, what's, what's going on? What, what's, why are you mad? Why, why, why are you mad, bro, right? What's happening right now? And she's like, because I asked you for help and you just started munching on some Funyuns, right? And telling me, good luck, girl. And I'm like, when did you ask for help? And she's like, when I said I have all this to do, and I go, you did not ask me for help. Right, and, and, and she's like, but, but, and here it is, here it is, here it is, here it is. Stick with me, ladies, I'll get there. All these ladies are ready to storm the stage and burn me at the stake right now. She said this line and you've said it. My problem is I want you to want to help. Okay, ladies, hold on. Stay focused right here. We're never gonna want to help not gonna happen. <laughs> it's not gonna, and so I told Casey, I was like, Casey, if you want, just say, Justin, I need you to help me do this. I am more than willing, right? And so here's what has happened. Now for the last 10 years, Casey's like, I need you to help me with the dishes. I need you to help me vacuum. I need you to, and I am more than willing to help. Here's what happens. So many times we think we're communicating, but communicating is both parties understanding what's going on. Communicating is not just having an expectation, but under that, making sure the other person involved is understanding what your expectation is. We can't just communicate about it, we gotta communicate through it. And we get frustrated when what we expected isn't what we're experiencing. 
right? Some of us, we had expectations of what our schedule would look like versus what it actually is. We had expectations of what disciplining our kids would look like and what disciplining our kids actually is. Expectations of how we would spend our money versus how we are actually spending our money. We had expectations of trips we would go on versus the trips we actually go on. Some of you were thinking Paris, France, and the other is thinking Branson is the Paris of Missouri, right? Sex life, woo! Some of us were thinking every other day, right? And one of us is thinking once a month. And, and, and hear me, when we are dealing with expectations, this is when we have to have courageous communication. You're gonna have to talk about tough things. And you're gonna have to be careful because there's gonna be a lot of feelings involved, right? But you can't avoid hurting feelings when it harms the marriage. Care about the marriage and the person more than the feelings. That doesn't mean you get to just beat in the door and be like, I'm just having a courageous conversation. I'm sorry, I'm a jerk. No, no. You need to use wisdom. But you gotta have courageous conversations because all of us are gonna have expectations. That's why we gotta have consistent communication so that you don't just survive marriage, but so that you have a great marriage. The second thing is this, is you gotta learn to serve one another instead of complaining about one another. You gotta serve one another instead of complain about one another. Philippians chapter two says this, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Can I tell you, we are not a goldfish family at the Graves house. Um, we cannot keep a fish alive. Like uh, just a normal fish that is alive, the moment it comes into our house, you might as well be quoting the green, green mile, dead man walking, right? Walking the mile, because that goldfish just came to his deathbed the moment it walked into the Graves household. I might as well just take it to the toilet and flush it, because it's never, it's never survived. It cannot survive because we don't know how to take care of it. And can I tell you, a marriage has a really hard time surviving somebody that's being selfish in it. If you're being selfish and you're saying, me, 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 I, 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 what about me, what about me? It's going to be really hard for your marriage to make it for the long haul. And some of us, this is what we say, well, I'm just high maintenance. Right? I just like all the attention. I like having a massage every other day. I like having nice things and nice shoes, and I'm just talking about the guys right now, right? Like I'm, like I'm just high maintenance, and, and this is how we describe being selfish. And hear me, the moment that you're saying, I'm high maintenance, in that same breath I would say to you, but you're being unbiblical. Because nowhere in the Bible is high maintenance okay. Nowhere in the, in the Bible does it say, oh, it's okay, oh, you're high maintenance. Jesus gets that. In fact, Jesus says this in Mark 8, verse 34. Jesus tells us to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow after him. Here's the invitation as a follower of Christ. Whether it is your friendship, whether it is your marriage, whether it is at work, whether it's with your kids or with your parents, here's the order of priorities. Jesus first, God first, others second, and you're third. I don't like being third place. Welcome to the club, buddy. I'm competitive, I get it. But it's Jesus, it's God first. It's other second. 
And it's you somewhere trailing way in the back. It's an I am third type of life. And some of us are like, but I just wish they would. And I just wish they would. And Jesus would say this to you. He would say, instead of wishing for what you wish everybody else would do, take the initiative and do it for them. Matthew chapter seven, verse 12 says, so in everything, everybody say everything. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Jesus saying this, this is the golden rule, right? We know this is the golden rule. And the challenge is to make the golden rule our daily rule, right? And so in everything means, in everything, do you talk about them like you want them to talk about you? And everything means, do you serve them like you wish they would serve you? Do you put them first like you wish they would put you first? And everything means, do you treat them like you wish they would treat you? And everything means, are you considerate of them? Do you give them the benefit of the doubt? Or do you assume the worst? Are you considerate of them like you want them to be considerate of you? And everything means, do you forgive them completely and quickly like you want them to forgive you? And everything means, are you generous to them without reminding them how generous you have been to them like you want them to be generous to you? Are you yielding and submitting to them in all areas like you wish for them to yield and submit and let you get your way just once? I just wanna have my way once, right? Some of you are like, it's just one time, right? And, and some of you, this is gonna happen to you the moment you walk out. You're gonna walk and go get your kids and you're gonna like both be walking on the same line and you're gonna be like, whoa, whoa, right? You've done this awkward dance and it's like you're doing like, you, you go, you go, you go. And then you take the same step in the same direction at the same time. And one of you has to say, no, you go, right? Like you just go, cause we're gonna run into each other. We're gonna collide if we keep doing this. Can I tell you, that's what your marriage is supposed to look like. One of you saying, no, 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 you go. It's not about me trying to get my way, it's about me trying to serve the other person and submit to the other person. And husbands, let me throw this at you, you've gotta lead the way in this area. We're called to lead the way when it comes to submitting to one another. The third way to have a great marriage is understand your marriage has to be a partnership, not a dictatorship. Everybody take a drink, you're gonna need it. My wife refuses to play spades with me anymore. Um, she might play with me with somebody that doesn't know how to play spades, but me and my best friend, Corey, um, man, we've never lost. Some of you are like, I wanna play you right now. He lives in California. So, um, but she's like, you cheat. And I'm like, we don't cheat. We just, we get each other, babe. Like we get each other, right? And so um, she's like, well, I'm never playing with you. And, and if you've played spades, if you know spades at all, there is one trump card in the game of spades, and it is the ace of spades, right? If you have this, you win the hand no matter what. Um, it, it doesn't matter if everybody else lays a hand down. It doesn't matter if they're in clubs and all you got is aces and you throw this down, you win the hand. For everybody, this is the automatic. You win, you have the trump card, you hold the power, boom, nobody can outdo you if you've got this, right? And some of you and some of us here, some of us watching online, this is what your marriage looks like. And somebody's holding all the power and somebody's making all the decisions. 
And can I tell you, if that's the case, you're in a dictatorship and not a relationship. And in Ephesians chapter five, verse 31, it says this, as the scriptures say, say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. The goal is to be one. The goal is to have a partnership not a dictatorship. Romans chapter 12 says this, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Take delight in honoring and really loving one another and putting one another in at first, right? Not trying to control one another. So this means, this means this, if we're to become one and if we're trying to honor one another and outdo honoring one another and really love one another, that means this, nobody gets to call the shots or hold all the power in any part of the relationship. So let's dive into what that looks like. Everybody get close. That means one person doesn't get to control the money. Yeah, but it's my money. No, it's not. The two became one. But I make all the money. You better shut up. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not your money, it's not their money, it's our money. Right, And if somebody's holding all the power and if somebody's dictating what the other spouse can and can't spend, right? there's gotta be an agreement you guys come to that you're spending as a couple, that you are, you're spending as a family. Nobody gets to have the ace of spades. Nobody gets to control and be in sole control of what's happening. That doesn't mean somebody doesn't pay the bills, right? That doesn't mean there's not an organized person and then a dreamer, right? Casey is the organized person. I'm like, let's go spend some money, right? Um, there's balance to it. And we both have a say in what is spent and how it's spent, one person doesn't get to dictate the schedule. Mamas, let me talk to you for just a second. I picked on the guys a lot. Moms, I, I know, I know, you got the schedule down. You know where every kid has to be, when they're supposed to be there, how, what kind of lunch they're eating, what allergies they have, and we just give kid peanuts all the time. They're like, they'll be fine. They'll build some immunity to it, right? Like, we're just like... They're fine, and you have it all down, and dad comes in, and he's like, we're going to the park, and you're like, no, we're not. We're gonna sleep. It's nap time. This is catastrophic. If they don't get a nap between 1 and 2.30, they'll never go asleep the rest of their life. We'll stunt their growth, right? And here's what happens. That, that spouse starts resenting the other one because they never get a say in the schedule. Well, I'd like to go do this. Well, we can't go do that. Well, why? Because we don't have time to go on that day. We don't have time to go there. We don't have time to go see your parents. Well, I want to. I don't. And if one of you is in control of the schedule and one of you doesn't get any say in the schedule, can I tell you, somebody's holding the power. And you're not yielding to one another. And you're not submitting to one another. And you're not in a partnership. And you're not treating this like a partnership. You're treating this like a dictatorship. Can I tell you, one person can't be in control of deciding when and how much sex you have. Let me say this, your sex life is important. Man, I teed that up for you guys. 
First, first service did it too. Your sex life is important. There you go. Man, awesome. Five of us are having sex in our marriage. This is awesome. Yeah, thank you. I'm, gonna, I'm going to. We're going to spend some time here because you guys are really uncomfortable. Listen, you got to have an agreement as a couple. You do. I can't believe he's talking about sex. I can't believe we haven't talked about sex in the church. Because hear me, your sex life is an important part of your marriage. Because wife, you are the only one that can meet that need in your husband's life. And husbands, you're the only one that can meet that need in your wife's life. At least you better be. Right? And so we got to talk about it. This is, if you've never talked about your sex life, let's go back to the first point. You've got to have consistent and courageous communication. You got to. You got to figure this out as a couple because it's too important for you to ignore it. Because nothing's going to get better, especially in this area, if you ignore it. Well, just, I don't, I don't know what the big deal is. I don't even know why this is important. Well, let me tell you why this is important. First Corinthians chapter seven says this, the husband should fulfill his wife's sexual needs and the wife should fulfill her husband's needs. The wife gives authority over her body to her husband and the husband gives authority over his body to his wife. Do not deprive each other of sexual relations unless you both agree to refrain from sexual intimacy for a limited time so you can give yourselves more completely to prayer. We must have a lot of prayer happening in our churches. <laughs> Afterwards, you should come together again so Satan won't be able to tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Listen, one of us can't hold all the cards when it comes to this area of life, right? This has to be an agreement we come to as couples. This has to be an understanding we come to, and we have some, man, we have some hard, difficult conversations with one another so that we can have a great marriage, not just an okay marriage. The last thing is this, is be imitators in everything you do. Be imitators in everything you do. If you wanna be a, have a great marriage, if you don't wanna just barely struggle, if you wanna have great friendships, if you wanna just live your life to the full, can I tell you, be imitators in everything you do. The most distracting thing that has ever happened while I have spoken for 25 years, right? Happened when we were in our old building. Um, we were probably in our old building for two years. And on the front row is this little kid. Uh, this family doesn't come here, so I can talk about him a lot. Um, and so they, I think they came like once or twice. And we're gonna call him little Johnny. And little Johnny was on the front row and everything I did, he mimicked while I was preaching. So when I would do this and go, yeah, 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 he would be like, yeah, 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 yeah. When I would start going, like laughing, I'd be like, ah, you know, and he'd be like, like this. When I'd get my big eyes, he'd be like. When I'd whisper, he'd be like, yeah, that's what we're doing. He's whispering now. And it drove me nuts. I wanted somebody to just whip Johnny's butt, right? Like go down to FC kids, we don't want you here, kid, right? Like, I'm like, you're distracting me. Punch him, something, right? Drop kick him, something. I'm okay with it. Drop kick him from the stage. Quack out. There's plenty of churches for you to find. Anyways, um, what was he doing? He was imitating what he was seeing. And can I tell you what happens for a lot of us? We imitate what we saw our parents doing in their marriage. 
We imitate what we see our friends doing in their marriage. We imitate what we see culture doing and we copy culture because it looks cool or it's the popular trend or it's the okay thing to do. But can I tell you, there's a better way for you to imitate in your marriage, in your relationships, in your friendships, at your business place, man, in your family. Ephesians chapter five, verse one says, imitate God therefore in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Be imitators, imitate God therefore in everything you do. Let me say this, your marriage should be a testimony and witness on its own. Your marriage should be a, a testimony and witness. on It should look so different from the culture you find yourself in that people are asking you, what are you guys doing? Because your marriage isn't like everybody else. When, when all the guys are complaining about their wife, you're talking praises and compliments about your wife. What, what's, what's going on? You guys okay? When all, when all the wives are belittling their husbands, you're talking about how great your husband is. Are you, are you guys okay? Are you, a sa- are you in a safe place, right? Like, can you, can you talk like openly and honestly? Your, your marriage should look different, right? Your life should look different. Students, when you're going to school, you shouldn't have to wear a Christian t-shirt or an FC shirt. It's like, I'm different, right? Your life should be a testimony. Your life on its own, on its merits, on how you conduct and how you talk and how you hold yourself should be a witness and testimony on its own because we are imitating God in everything that we do. That means we're imitating God in our finances. We're imitating God with the way that we're interacting with our kids. We're imitating God with how we're interacting with our spouse. We're imitating God in everything that we do instead of imitating this culture because can I tell you, it's a better way. It's a more fulfilling way. It's a more selfless way for you to live in your relationships. And if you will imitate God in everything you do, especially in the area of your relationships, especially in the area of your friendships, especially in your marriage, can I tell you, you are going to experience a marriage and friendships and a workplace and kids and parents that are unlike anything else. Because you're not taking your cues from culture. You're not taking your cues from the way your mom and dad did it. You're taking your cues from his word and his word is a better way for you to live. I'm closing, I'm done. When I close the iPad, I really am closing. Casey and I have been married 25 years this year. And in that, um, I I don't stand up here saying, look at me, I'm such a great husband. Um, I shared my Funyun story, you know better. Um, We've had a lot of hard conversations. Um, We used to call them Justin Talks. Um, And she's like, is this another Justin Talk? I'm like, sure is, let's dive in. Um, it, it, I didn't get to say this in first service, but we hit, we hit a spot in five years of marriage that she really got mad at me because I was a workaholic. And I was a great youth pastor, but I wasn't a really good husband. And she kept asking for me to be home. And I was like, babe, we're home all the time. She's like, we're together all the time. She's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, we were at this game together. We went to this youth function together. We were church together here. We were by ourselves at home like two weeks ago. And she's like, that's not being together, right? And we had to work through some resentment, 
some walls that got built up because I wasn't doing my part of paying attention to the room, of reading the cues, of meeting her needs. Can I tell you, marriage isn't always easy. Some of you, maybe you're in a funk right now. Maybe it's difficult right now. Can I tell you, don't run away, but lean in and have the hard talk. And it's not just that you're gonna have one talk and it's gonna fix it all. You're gonna have to keep talking and you're gonna have to keep talking through it and you're gonna have to keep talking through it and you're gonna have to keep talking through it, but it's better. It's worth it. Remember when my daughter's, um, at, at the, my youngest daughter's Halloween party several years ago, they played a game called Bigger and Better. And I gave two groups a candy bar. I'm like, okay, dropped them off in a neighborhood. I go, you got 45 minutes. You can go around to all these different neighbors and all these different houses that you don't know and ask them what they will give you that's bigger and better for this candy bar. And they're like, are you for real? I'm like, I'm for real. And so they went, 45 minutes, boom. They're going around houses, knocking on doors. What will you give me for this candy bar? And it wasn't even a good candy bar, right? It was like the ones we didn't want to give kids. And they're like, what will you give me for this? What will you give me for this? And 45 minutes later, I remember what the winning team brought back. They brought back this putting device that you set up or this chipping device that you set up in your backyard for a golfer right? And so it was like this whole thing that was really cool, that was really nice, that all started from a junkie, sorry, you know, not very good candy bar, but they kept exchanging and asking, what would you give me for this? And they got something that was bigger and better. And can I tell you, if you will trust the master and you will bring your marriage and you will bring your relationships to him and you just say, what can you give me for this? Can I tell you, he will give you something that is way bigger and way better than you could ever do on your own. When you do it his way, can I tell you, it's always bigger than It's always better because his ways are better. He came that you may have life and have it to the full. So why would you resist that? Why would you keep trying to do it on your own? But lean into him and acknowledge him and surrender your ways and keep stepping into the plan he has for you today. Let's pray today. Lord, I love you and I thank you for today. You know what? If you're sitting by your spouse, I'm gonna ask you just to grab their hand. Sitting by your fiance, I'm gonna ask you to grab their hand. God, you see every couple in this place. You see every couple that's watching online today. And God, we can't do this on our own. Lord, there's relationships that are here that are struggling. And Lord, we try to do it our way. Lord, we keep hitting the wall. And you have a bigger and better way if we'll just surrender our will in the way that we've tried to your way. And so, Lord, I pray right now for every couple that's in this place, man, that they would die to themselves. Oh, that they would pick up their cross and they will follow after you. And the Lord today, no matter, no matter the conversations they had coming, no matter what's happened for this whole year, that they would make the golden rule the daily rule for the rest of this year that they would constantly keep doing for their spouse what they wish their spouse would do for them. And I pray that we wouldn't just do this in our marriage, but we would do this in our friendships. That Lord, we would do this wherever we go, that everywhere we go, our life is a witness and a testimony, not on the words only that are coming out of our mouth, but in the way that we are treating those that we are closest to and we love the most. And Lord, I pray that the the word says the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but your word says you came that we may have life and have it more abundantly. You came that we may have it and have it in a better way. And so, 
as we surrender to your will, to your purpose, I pray that we would experience bigger and better marriages. Lord Jesus, bigger and better relationships and talks and conversations, intimacy within our marriage. It's in Jesus' name I pray. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv. Oh, 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 oh